just praying, you know, over this last couple of weeks, and, and uh, you know, I mean, Elizabeth and I, and we've got, we've got young people, you know, who, who are not necessarily so young anymore, and I was sharing with somebody a week or so ago, and, you know, they have a, they have a whole just gaggle of kids. I mean, they got like five, six kids or something. I don't even know how many. <laughs> That's how many. If you, if you got older kids and you don't have kids in your house, like two of them's a lot. And then if you had like four or five, you start losing count after a while. And I was talking to this person and said, yeah, I just, I'm trying to relate to you. But, but I, have a, I have a hard time. I have to go out of my way to relate to what's going on in your house. The things that, that are going, because you've got five or six kids, <laughs> whatever many you got. That's a lot. And I, I don't relate to that all the time. And I think, I think many times people who might know you, they don't relate to who you are spiritually. You know, I mean, we have this opportunity to share, to share the gospel with people everywhere that we go. But, but they don't understand the fact that you come to church on Sunday, sometimes twice, and you come on Wednesday? Why do you come on? You go on Wednesday too? Can you not wait till Sunday? Have you been that bad? Have you had somebody ask you that? You're like, I got to go to church tonight. Whoa, what'd you do? But you got to go to church. You know, uh, no, I want to go because I want to I praise God. I want to worship God. I want to be together with my, my spiritual family and and to hear from God and hear what he's saying. See, I'm committed to, I'm committed to God's vision for my life. I'm committed to the things that he has for me. And when you're committed to something, people who aren't committed don't understand that. See, it doesn't, doesn't make any sense to them. You know, now, I mean, I've had kids, and so I'm not going to say, that, you know, that my, my folks with five kids, you know, they're not, they're committed to those kids, and that's a life, and that, that's going to be a calling. Well, I've, you know, Elizabeth and I have gotten our, Daniel's 21, and Rachel's 17, and getting ready to graduate. So we've kind of gone through that thing a little bit. We're still committed parents, and <laughs> we haven't tossed them out into the street, but uh, I, don't, I don't quite understand that level of commitment at the moment. I forgot. You know, but what we do is we take Corey's and Al's little guys, those three guys, and so they come to our house on Thursday nights some during worship rehearsal. And uh, that helps us understand the commitment that many of you are making with little kids because they, they don't eat what we eat. You know, I said, I told Elizabeth finally after like three, four weeks, dude, just buy some chicken nuggets. Okay, I mean, just like, I, it's, it's obviously what it's going to take. Just whatever it is, man. I don't care if they eat licorice. Whatever it is, man, Twizzlers, it doesn't, just give them something that they, that they can eat. The level of commitment's just a little different where we are maybe than it is for you. But we live in a country, I think, where, where we, we, people struggle with commitment. And as I was praying and over the last couple of weeks about, you know, this message and, and those kind of things, just uh, that word came to me like instantly, commitment. And usually what happens is when God gives, you know, me a word to share or a message or whatever that might be, it usually means that I've got an issue with that or I'm dealing with that or I'm growing in that. And so I said, well, give me another one because I feel pretty committed. <laughs> But, you know, as I've prepared and gone through, maybe I haven't been as committed as maybe I should be. And so I'm going to share that with you today, that you need to be more committed <laughs> in your life, in your calling, and in the things that God wants you to do. Because it's really important. Otherwise, you end up like the world. You know, it used to be that a man could give his word, and that was it. All said and done, taken care of. That was his commitment. And that meant that he would follow through on that commitment even till the end. Even if it meant giving up everything else, he would not go back on his word. Well, today you need a contract, six lawyers, five, you know. You've got all of these things and reasons. Why? Because people don't want to be a, a person of their word. They don't want to be a person of great commitment. I mean, you may know people who you, you know, said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll be there and didn't show up. Or you may be the kind of person like sometimes I am. I don't just not show up. I just don't commit. I just don't say I'm going. 
But if God's telling you to go, then you have to make that commitment and you have to kind of make that pact. And in, in the world today, it doesn't always work that way. In our nation, it doesn't always work that way. That's why we say, you know, find out what these people are voting because they say they're committed to these causes, they're committed to these principles, they're committed to these values, and that's how we end up looking at them and then we vote and then they get in the House or they get in the Senate or whether it's state or or federal, wherever that is, they get in those positions and then they begin to act completely different from that. Why? They're not committed to really what they said. They're a person of their words and not a really person of great moral integrity and value on the inside of them. And we don't want to be that way in the church, but I think people have looked at the church for a long time and said, well, they're no different than us. In many cases, that, that might be true. You know, how many, how many people, you know, I'm going to be there and we don't show up to the whatever, you know, pancake breakfast or the prayer wherever or this particular thing or to help with this particular cause or, you know, I mean, we're, we're not a lot different. Now, what we do is we hide behind the guys that says, I'm really busy. I've got a lot going on. And, and that's, that's not an excuse. See, if God's called you to do it, then he'll make the grace for you to do it. If he hasn't called you to do it, then don't feel to go do it. It's okay. If it's not a God thing for you, it's okay even if it is a good thing. Now, I think we probably need to open up our boundaries a little bit more and stretch out a little bit more. I mean, I do, and, and you know, we all do. But it, but it's, it gets to this part, are you a person who's committed to what God has told you and promised you in your heart? Are you a person who's committed to the things of God this committed means you're going to go all the way. You know, I'm, I'm thankful that we have pastors who came here and started this church, and they were committed to the call and to the vision that God had given them for this place. Because there's been a whole lot of times that you could have just packed up, bailed, and left. We show up, and nobody's here. Pastor Bill's told the story before. Pastor Pam said, what are you going to preach on tomorrow? And he said, I don't even know if I'm going tomorrow. <laughs> He may have been serious, you know. I mean, he may have been having one of those days, but he was committed to the thing that God put in his heart. See, you'll never accomplish anything. You'll never amount to anything of great importance if you refuse to commit or continue to break your commitments. You won't amount to anything. And you wonder why I think many times we wonder, why haven't I gotten here? Why haven't I gone there? Why haven't I done this? And our track record is, I started this and stopped it. God told me to do this and I quit. God told me to stop doing that and I did for a week and then I went back and did it again. And you're going back on commitments that you've made, not just with a person, not just with an individual, although those are important as well. We start to go back on the commitments that we made to God. And in our lives, we can't afford to do that if we're ever going to do the things that he's put in our hearts to do. Commitment is made and kept in your heart. If you allow your mind to wander, your commitment will wane. Because there's always a reason not to do something. Think about it. I mean, you, you, somebody says, hey, do you want to do this next week? And you say, oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'm all into it. And then next week comes and you go, oh, I don't really want to go. I really don't want to go. <sighs> what can I do? And then your mind, see, your mind begins to wander. It's not, I've made this commitment, so I'm going to do that. And now I'm, you know, I mean, things happen. You know, kids get sick. I mean, it's, you know, stuff kind of goes on and happens. So I'm not, you know, don't feel condemned. But if you feel convicted, you might want to check it out. But see, but, but where are you? Are, see, are you a committed person? I mean, it may not feel great a week later. You may not in the mind think that it's a great idea a week later. But what did you do? You'd made a commitment in your life to do that and to be that. And so you fulfill your commitment. 
And I don't know if it's just a, a younger generation thing or what, but man, people are flying by the seat of the pants all the time and not doing half the things that they've committed to do. Not just in the, in the world, but like with God. We get excited, we go to this conference, we go to that conference, we go to this thing, we hear Pastor Pam teach this message, Pastor Bill teaches this class, and da 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 and all of a sudden we're not paying attention. And, and we've, we've let go of that thing to take this thing. We let go of that thing to take this thing. God leads you from one place to the another, but he doesn't unhook you from your commitment until it's finished, until it's complete. And I think many times we're so ready to get to the next commitment that we unhook ourselves from the old commitment. God never unhooked us from that thing. We've unhooked ourselves so that we can go on to the next thing. And then we wonder as we get six or seven things down the row why we're not blessed and why things are dry and why things aren't working. It's because we've never gone back and completed the task and finished and fulfilled our commitment in those areas. And I wanted to share just a little bit about commitment and involvement. The difference between commitment and involvement, you've probably heard this before, is like a bacon and eggs breakfast, right? The chicken was involved, but the pig, he was, he was committed. You'll figure that out as you go. I mean, the chicken just gave an egg, man. Here you go. The pig gave his life for the breakfast. So it says he's maybe, you know, he's committed and maybe the other one was just involved. And I'm not saying you have to, you know, be the pig. But I will say this. If you're going to be committed to the cause that Jesus Christ has written about, talked about, and shared about in his word, what he's placed in your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit, if you're going to be committed to that, it might as well be that instance and be that case. Because it requires that of us. Now, not to shed positive light on a negative situation, but you have, to, you have to look at Islam, and you have to respect maybe at least one thing if you could. Their commitment is unbelievable. Now, it is not even, I don't even call it a religion. I would say it's a movement from the pit of hell, no doubt. But they are trying to take over the world, and because of their great commitment, they are seeing success in that endeavor. See, God is not in that. The enemy is in that. But see, they're seeing success. Why? Because all those people, have bec- they've got in unity, and they're fulfilling a commitment that they've made. Now, it's vile. I mean, it, it is, and no doubt about it, it, it is horrendous, the things that are going on, the atrocities and everything else. And we bind the, the, the if you would, you know, we, we bind the fact that it's spreading across the world in Jesus' name. But I'm just telling you, if you look at the facts, it is. But see, they're committed. They're committed even to the point of strapping on a bunch of explosives and going into a shopping place and setting it off. And many times we won't get up and come to church because it's raining. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's quiet. Come on, somebody. <laughs> come on, somebody. <laughs> Woody'd like that. Come on, Woody. Can't wait for you to get here. Woody will be here on Wednesday. He'll be a great time. Just got to get through today. But commit, it's on, your, it's on your list there. It says to bind or to obligate as by a pledge or assurance, to pledge. Involvement means the act of sharing in the activities maybe of a group. See, the rich young ruler, he, he was a gifted young man who was involved because when he came to Jesus, he said, it said he fell on his feet, he said, what, I know I talk about it all the time. This guy, I mean, this story has just never left me. It's one of those things that's on the inside of me. But, but he came and he said, I want, I want eternal life. I want eternal life. What do I need to do? And he said, well, you need to live the commandments basically in your life. And he said, I've been doing that. See, I'm involved. I'm an usher. I work in the nursery. I, you know, I, I drive the vans. I, you know, I'm involved. And he said, to go to the next level in your life, you don't just need to be involved. You need to be committed. See, if you're go- And that's what it was. It was the next level in his life. 
It was about not just being a good person. It was about not just being involved in the things that were going on. It said, I want to know what it takes to have eternal life. I want to know what the next thing is in my life. What do I need to do? And he said, you need to commit. What are you talking about? And what did Jesus tell him? You need to sell all your stuff, give it all to the poor, pick up your cross, and then come and follow me. And we've shared it before. It's not a thing about, you know, sell your stuff and give it away so you don't have it. It's that hard issue of saying, okay, you know what? Those things, that stuff, that dream, that pursuit, that thing that I was going after, that is not more important than me following you. So I will, in my heart, let go of all of those things. And I will not now just be involved in what you want me to do, involved in what's going on, involved in a good thing. I will be committed to the God thing that you've put in my heart, regardless of what I see, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what's going around. I will be committed flat out committed and we have committed people in this church i mean committed people i can call any time of the day pastor bill can pastor pam i mean can call and say hey hey we need we need this we need something and man people are there no doubt stanley needs money in the sudan all pastor bill has to get up here and say is you know what we've got six orphans that need this or we got a, that stanley needs to fix a roof or somebody needs to do something and we have more than enough comes in see people are committed man gives all whatever it takes i'm there i'll do it so I'm not saying that nobody's committed. I'm just saying in your own life, check and see what those pieces and parts are. Because see, Jesus was totally committed. It said that he came to do what? The will of the Father. And even in the beginning, you know, when he was tempted by the enemy in Matthew in chapter 4, he responded with, it is written, it is written, it is written. I'm not going there. I'm not just going to be somebody who's involved on this earth. I am a person who's been sent to this earth for a specific task, for a specific assignment, and I am committed to fulfilling that in my life. And if you want to know what commitment looks like, go rent that movie and watch the end as he carries his cross. You know, as, uh, what's the movie? Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ. Go rent Passion of the Christ and then watch that ending as he carries his cross. And he's beaten and whipped and bleeding and gets... T- that's, that's commitment. See, the going got hard and nobody ran away. He gave it a look. Hey, if there is any other way... You know, I, I, I'm open to it, but if not, I will, I will go, I will finish the race. And see, that's the difference between being committed and being involved. Willing to lay down your life and to do those things. Martin Luther King said, if a man hasn't discovered something that he would die for, he isn't fit to live. That was harsh. You know, as I read that, I looked at that and thought, oof, But then as I began to think about it, I thought, really, is that, that's, I mean, that's the ultimate commitment. To say, you know what, I'll go down with the ship. That I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to give in. But would you die for the cause? Would you stick everything on the line for Jesus? You know, would you speak up in an instance where you could be fired? Would you, I'm not saying to go do, you know, I'm not saying carrying picket signs to work or any of that kind of stuff. But I'm saying if the Spirit prompted you, would you do that? Was your commitment to the things that God has for you, is that commitment that strong in your life? Is your word, as you've said, I will do anything, Jesus. I will do anything. I laid out my life for you. When that moment comes, don't shy away. It may not be a physical giving of your life, but it may be an opportunity to do some things when it's not real pleasant. It could be a great opportunity to do some things when you don't get any praise for it. It could be a great opportunity to do something when everybody else is looking down on that. 
but you're going to stand anyway. The alternative is you spend your whole life looking back. I mean, if you're not committed, committed is forward. You know, committed is going this direction. Committed is not going back, right? Don't go back on your word. Stay committed to what you promised. And what happens is too many people, and we live in a real easy society to just go back. It's just a whole lot easier to go back and just bail. Lot's wife, (laughs) she was torn between two places in her heart. Even to the point Lot was a little bit, even to the point where the angels kind of grabbed him and kind of brought him, right, out to the outside of the city. And then kind of said, go to the mountains. And he said, well, that's a long way. And he said, okay, then just go to the city. Just go. Because bad stuff's going to happen here. And I love you enough that I don't want you to be here. And many of us have come into this place and God set us free and he's taken us out of some past in our life. See, some Sodom and Gomorrah in our life. And he's even, he's even gone so far as to love us enough to say, come on, pick us up and literally take us to the edge and say, come on, you can go from here. Come on, you can do it. Go on. But don't look back. You're committed to going forward. You're committed to a new life. You're committed to a new way in Christ. Don't go back. And you know the story. I mean, Lot's wife, you know, she was gone her way and she turned around and looked back. I don't believe it was just to see what was going on. I believe it was because her heart was pulled by that thing that was there. She hadn't let go of that time, much like the rich young ruler who said, he went away sorrowful in the word that says that because he had so many things. And he said, you know what? I am all about being involved, but I can't go as far as to be committed. How would we like Jesus to get all the way that far and then say, you know what? With all of them. I'm not committed. I'm glad that he was committed. And in our lives, it's going to take that kind of commitment. In Luke, in chapter 9, it's verse 52. If you're there, it says, And they sent messengers before his face, and they all went. And they received... What is that? I don't even think that's the right verse, is it? That is not even close to being the right verse. Fantastic. 60? Thank you. Oh, there it is. Yeah, the cost of discipleship right there. 57, not 52. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another one, follow me. And he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Now don't neglect your family. Don't neglect your responsibilities. Don't go out and say, well, Jesus said to go to this, so I'm never going back home. I, I mean, he wasn't saying that. He was saying this idea of you can't have this, this, this two-pronged system of how you're going to follow me. What you think is important and what is important. It go, I mean, it's this, it goes, I mean, all of these things, Lot's wife, this deal, going back to the rich and it's all the same thing. It's this thing that says, I think this is more important at the moment than what you've asked me to do. And he's, he's, not, he's not throwing down the absolute here and saying that you can't have family and you can't do it. Not that. What he's saying is if you want the fullness, if you want the, the, the fullness of who I am, my grace, my abundance, all of those things, I mean, if you want those in my life, then you have to commit to me that way otherwise it's half-hearted commitment because it says let the dead go bury their own dead but you go and preach the kingdom of God and another one said Lord I will follow you but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house and Jesus said no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God 
Now, my Bible says Jesus focuses on the truth that the service for his enterprise demands undivided attention. Is not fit for the kingdom of God means that the half-hearted discipleship eliminates one from God's maximum use. And I think we would say, man, if I'm going to be in, I want to be all in. But if I'm going to be used, I want to be used, I want to maximize the youth. I mean, I mean, get out there and go do it. Not just a piece, not just a part. And here's the thing, if you chase two rabbits, you'll lose both. You can't chase two. I watched this show on ESPN one day. It was about this county somewhere in Florida. I don't know where it was. Somewhere where the sugarcane fields are in Florida. Kids who are poorer than poor. I mean, poorer than poor. They got nothing. But they produced some of the best football players in the state of Florida and across the country. But these kids go out and chase rabbits from little age. When, when they cut the corn down, or when they cut the, the sugar cane down, when they get rid of all those things that begin to burn them, the rabbits all start coming out because they're, they're in those fields. And so these kids, that's how they live. I mean, they, they catch, uh, it's not a, you know, <laughs> they catch rabbits and they, they snap their necks and they take them home and eat them. That's like food and provision for their family. Now the outcome of that is they're really fast guys. I mean, they learn to be quick. I mean, if, you're, if food relies, if you eating relies on you being fast and smart, you get fast and smart real quick. But the deal is, they say, man, you just go, you, you, when one goes by, you go after it. The little ones get hungry because they're pulled to all these different things. Like one goes this way, and then one goes that way, and then one goes over here. And they're chasing more rabbits than what, see, when they, they go hungry because they don't catch anything. The older kids, as they mature, they say, just go after the one. And it is, I mean, it's, a, well, anyway, check it out. It's, it's pretty amazing. I, I watched some weird stuff. But it was, it, was, it was neat. It says in Matthew 6.25 that, you know, a divided heart leads to destruction. And in Matthew 6.25, it says, take no thought for your life. Now, that's right when it starts talking about don't worry what you'll eat, don't worry what you'll wear, don't do those things. But if you read that first part, it says, therefore, I said, you do not worry about your life. Well, I can't commit to that because i got all this other stuff. If you commit to that, it might take care of all the other stuff. I mean, that's what I found for a long time. I was concerned so much about giving and all those kind of things years and years and years ago that I couldn't afford to tithe. I couldn't do it because I couldn't be able to pay my bills and I couldn't be able to take care of my kids and I would never be able to do anything with my wife and I wouldn't have enough money to make it. I would end up in debtor's prison and all these things that they don't have anymore. I mean, you let your mind wander. Some weird stuff happens. I mean, I had myself chained to a rock. I mean, it was awful. I mean, I, I mean, I, you know, if you let your mind go, I, I, I mean, that was one of the things that my mom had to continue to tell, hey, they can't take you to jail, you know, I mean, you're going to be all right. You haven't done anything heinous, and you're not doing anything illegal. You're just spending more than you make. So we'll fix that, and you'll be, <laughs> you'll be all right. But my thing was, I can't, I can't tithe. How could we tithe? What's going to happen to us if we did? See, I took a thought for my life. But it says there, you know, don't worry about what you'll eat, what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? It says, you know, it goes on and talks about how God feeds and clothes. and does, I mean, it, That's what he wants to do in our life. So there's no reason. Me thinking that I can't afford to do that is me taking a thought for my life and saying, you know what, I'll be involved to a certain extent, but I won't be fully committed. But I need to be fully committed. If I'm going to see, see, I'm standing over here saying all these things, but I'm wanting all those blessings and benefits. And so somewhere I have to go from being involved to being committed. And I can't have my heart divided. In James, in 1.8, it says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. 
You argue with yourself all the time. I mean, you get in the car, and then you start, man, you start having conversations with yourself. If you have a bad day at work, I mean, you've already given it to the boss four times, and you've had that conversation, and you've yelled back and forth. By the time you're home, you're exhausted. <laughs> and nothing really happened. I mean, you laugh. It must be happening. I don't know. Out of, out of Ben Central must be going down. But, you know, I mean, don't you have this like, thing? You get in the car, and you just had a bad time with your husband or your wife, and all of a sudden you're driving wherever it is, and, man, you're just letting them up, and I mean, you're having it all over the place. Or God's speaking to you something. This one's a little, hits a little, this one's a little more tough. That God's speaking to you something and you're telling him why it won't work and why it can't happen. And now you're dividing your heart. You're in your mind, you've got, you've got your mind trying to go one direction. Your heart's telling you to go another direction. And all of a sudden you're starting to divide. And that's the quickest way to destruction is to get division. It says just a a verse before that in 24, it says you can't serve two masters. Now this is talking about serving, you know, your heart being toward the the things of God and then then mammon or or money, you know, the system, the things. But it represents the world view system. You can't can't have both things, right? It says in Revelations that be, be one or the other. Don't be lukewarm. I mean, just be a perfect sinner. Or be, be, a, be a person who's after the heart and the things of God. Don't be hanging out in the middle. The only thing in the middle of the road are two yellow lines and dead armadillos. That's some, you know, we're from the south, so that's some thing. Margaret Thatcher, she said that it, don't hang out in the middle of the road because then you're going to get hit by traffic on both sides. I mean, how many people do you know that? I mean, they got just enough word to get jacked up. You know, I mean, they, they've, they've gone just far enough with God to really be in a pickle. I mean, at least if you're on one side of the road, man, you're, you're, you know, whatever side that is, you're not playing in traffic. But see, the cold side's going one direction with all their heart. The hot side's supposed to be going one direction, the other direction with all their heart. And you're the person who's got to decide, where am I going to be? Don't stand in the middle. Go a direction. It's easier on you. It's easier on your, on your heart. It's easier on your head. You don't have those conversations anymore. Now, you may be convicted every day you wake up and sin like the best sinner because you know the truth, but you're not conflicted as far as your activity, (laughs) you know? I'm just kidding. Don't go do that. But God's only asking us, really truly, and I said this, I think, a month or so ago, God's only asking us to be as committed to Him as we were to sin. I mean, think about it. How many of you? I mean, I was a good sinner. I wasn't bad at it. I was pretty darn good at it. Well, I had it down pat. I mean, I don't know too many people who were bad at it. You're a bad sinner, man. I guess Daniel. He does, he's a bad liar. So you know, I mean, he was always trying to lie when he was a little kid, and it was just like, after a while, it became quite funny. He wasn't good at it. You're not a good sinner, buddy. Just just go to church. Don't try, don't try to go there. It's just not going to work for you. And Elizabeth was always like, I don't understand. I was such a good liar. My children didn't pick that up. <laughs> well, thank God. <laughs> thank God they didn't. Yikes. It's the last thing we need. Passing on your horrible traits to them. <laughs> but if you're not going to have it, I mean, to, to, to not have a divided heart means really truly that you have to, you have to be determined not to have a divided heart. In this world today, you have to be determined to stay faithful and true to what God's put in your heart to do. 
Because you're drawn by good and bad, true. But you're drawn by good and good and good and good and gooder. See, but pastors have always shared with us and always taught us that if we're going to to be all that God wants us to be, if we're going to really truly be committed, we have to be committed to the God things in our life, not just the good things. And you hear that over and over again in a lot of different places and areas. But you have to be determined. I wrote this, and we we did a commercial with this, and I just wanted to read this because it, it just takes a minute. Believe me, I've done 47 of them. I can, I can read them very quick. It's our radio spot that we have on 1450. It was about determination. I said, determination is a firm intention to achieve a desired end. One thing about determined people is that they usually end up with the thing that they're after. There is something about being determined. Your focus is honed, and you will sacrifice nearly anything to achieve your objective. The world is full of people who have dreams, but few actually achieve those dreams. When things get tough, determination becomes a deciding factor in the outcome. Become determined today to do whatever it takes to achieve your dream. God puts those dreams and desires in your heart. He stands with us, encouraging and strengthening us in tough times. Don't fall short for a lack of determination. Think about the bulldog. The nose is slanted backwards so it can still breathe without letting go of the bite. Be a bulldog in your life. Don't let go of what God has put in your heart. You can live a determined life by pushing through the difficult times and not giving in to the challenges you face. And it's not just for people who are driving around listening to the sports radio station. That's for each one of us, too. Are you a bulldog in your life that says, you know what, I'm going to hang on regardless of what I see? And as they began to, to, to pray and ask God, what is it about commitment? What is it about that thing? And really, he began to just show me a, a little bit about marriage. We were talking to some people a week or two ago, and they were asking us about our marriage. And, and we, we had really come to a place in our life where we were ready to just, it was ready to be done. I know, you don't believe that after you look at us and see what a wonderful couple we are, you know. But I've pointed at her. She's bit my finger when I pointed at her. I mean, we've been there. Don't ask Alicia Van Winkle. She knows everything. She used to babysit when we were a mess. She saw a lot of stuff that we can't have her tell anymore. But here's the deal. See, a successful marriage is about commitment. You have made a commitment to one person. First of all, you've made a commitment to God and said that this is the person. And, you know, I've had people say to me, well, I don't know that was the person. Well, are they the person now? Because you're married to them. (laughs) Don't go jumping off that ship. In our ceremonies, we don't do the, hey, if you have anything on our odd against these people and you don't think they should be married, I don't do that. Because some of the people I marry, there's a whole bunch of people out there that don't want that to happen. But after the last bunch of years, man, I've seen them all in the divorce thing. About six months later, I thought, you know what? I'm going to start asking. Because obviously these two can't figure it out, but the rest of them all know that they don't go together. But see, here's the deal. On your wedding day, that was not the day that you made a commitment to that person. That's the day that you made public the commitment that you made to that person and before God. See, that was the day that you told everybody what you had had in your heart and hopefully what you told that person. And because we were people who were committed to doing what God told us to do, regardless of what it looked like and what it felt like, we decided to look at each other as angry and nasty as possible and say, I'm not getting a divorce! Neither am I! I love you! I love you too! But man, times are ugly and times are... I mean, that, that, but th- that's the kind of commitment... I mean, there's times you're driving around in your car and God says to do something. You're telling them, I don't want to do it. 
everything inside of me doesn't want to do it. But you know what? I am a committed, I am committed to doing what you call me to do. So regardless of how much it hurts, regardless of how much I have to give, regardless of how much time it takes, regardless of what I miss out on and sacrifice, I am committed to doing it. So I will do it. So I had to pray, God, I mean, obviously this is who you told me. I mean, she told, you know, we are, we're together. We've obviously started to drift apart. I need you to speak to me, you to show me, you to help me because I am not going back on this commitment. Right? I mean, that's a good thing, right? Okay, high five. Yeah, I was going to say, I I was... I was pretty excited. <laughs> Lou Holtz said, if you don't make a total commitment to whatever you're doing, then you start looking to bail out the first time the boat starts leaking. It's tough enough, he says, to get, to get, <laughs> it's tough enough getting the boat to shore with everybody rowing, let alone when one guy stands up and starts putting on his life jacket. <laughs> now think about that in your life, because that happens a lot. See, that happens in marriage a lot. Like you're going in one direction, you're both rowing the boat. And then, then one of them just gets up, puts the life jacket on, and says, I'm, I'm out. It's difficult. It's a tough place. It's a very tough I don't have answers. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what God is telling you in that moment. I don't know what he's saying to you in that moment. But I do know this. He's a God of, of commitment. He committed to us, and we commit to him. And I know this, that if I will stay committed to him, he will be committed to me, and he will be faithful. I don't know what will happen. I don't know what will go on in the boat. I don't know how it's going to get to the other side. But he did say, if you get in the boat and you go to the other side, go to the other side. There's a lot of time. I mean, that's just a marriage example. But I mean, I mean, if you're in the, you're, sometimes you're in the boat yourself. I mean, it's just you and you're rowing the boat. And God said, you know, go to that side. I'm going. It's tough. I'm rowing. Then about halfway across, you're like, forget this, man. Drop the oars. Get on your thing and say, I'm out of here. Well, who's going to get the boat to the other side? I mean, you're going to be wet. You're going to drag yourself back to shore. And what's God going to do? He's going to show you another boat. He's not going to take you across the lake. He's going to say, get in this time and row to the other side. Pile that life jacket over there with the other 12. And get on out there. See, we get up and give up on God all the time. And then we get mad because we can't row anymore. Well, God says, you throw the oars in the water. You might want to hold on and paddle kick, do something to go all the way to the other side because victory see is yours it's given to you it's granted to you it says so in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 it says but thanks be to God who gives us the what? the victory but in that case you better remain committed because it says you have to be steadfast immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord and if you read it in the message it says throw yourself into the work of the master throw yourself in See, have you thrown yourself in? I've done a lot, I did a lot of bad things. She wasn't the bad person in this gig. Well, it's a good gig now, but you know, back then. It wasn't, she wasn't necessarily the bad person. She had issues. I can give them to you alphabetically. There's only one of them. Just loved all the time. Loved too much. That was her thing. See, but I, see, I had issues. I had problems. And I had to throw myself, not just at the mercy of the throne and the altar and say, God, I am sorry, I've screwed up and I've messed this whole thing up. But I've had to throw myself at her feet and say, hey, I'm sorry, I've screwed up and I've messed this thing up. And now I'm going to purpose the rest of my days. I don't always make it. I don't do the greatest job. We're not all Pastor Bill. But I try (laughs) to serve her, to love her, to lay my life down for her like Christ did us. 
And you know what? I got a dang good life going on. She is fantastic. And there's times where she aggravates me. And there's times she says, and sometimes I think, well, come on, honey. It's cloudy outside. Put the top up on your car. You know, I mean, those things happen. I mean, you know, come on, you know, yes, I'll go do that. I mean, I get up. She lays on the best side of the bed that's closest to the sink in the bathroom. But, but she asks me, see, you just, I just, this just came to me. She asks me in the mornings or in the evenings when we're laying down, we're getting ready to go to bed. And I'm tired, man. I'm laying in bed. And she says, could you go get my contact case? And I'm thinking, if you got creative, you could probably get it without getting out of bed. I mean, just, you know, if you got your leg out there and around the corner, you, you might be able to pull it off the counter. But all 497 times I've done it, I just smile and say, sure. And I get out of bed. I don't go like, hey, hey, this is nine times out of ten. Seriously, can we not get you two of them? Put it right by the... I go over and I get the contact case. I give it to her and I go back and get in bed. But see, if you'll just say to God, look, I'll do whatever you want. I mean, if you want me to get up at night and go do that, then I'll get up and I'll go do that. See, not marriage. This is just life now with you and God. If you say, you know what, I am committed beyond a, beyond a shadow of a doubt. I am committed to do whatever you've called me to do. Then when he asks you, you just get up and you go do it. And many times that's a new thought. Many times that's a new thing in your life. But what you'll find is that the blessing, see, follows the commitment. It says in Psalms in 37, 5, it says, commit your way to the Lord. And if you read it in the, in the New Living, it says, commit everything to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will help you. He'll help you. It says, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. But commit it. Make a commitment. Sign on the bottom line. And if you do that, He'll take care of it. And as I was sharing about this, I was over at Tom and Amy's, and uh, Tom and Amy Blumling, and, and she's my cousin, and I call Tom my cousin, and, and uh, I, I was just sharing about commitment, and when I, I you know, I, he was telling me this story, and I wanted to have him come, you want to come on up here, Tommy? And he was telling me this story about the uh, putt-putt thing, and some things that God had done in, in his life and in his finances, and uh, Tom's, Tom's a, a committed young man. He's committed to his family, committed to his, to his, to his job, to his business. But he's committed to God, and God has done some things, and I wanted him just to share just a second what, what God had told him and what, what God showed him. Thanks, John. Uh, first of all, this is powerful because um, what he's talking about, it's life-changing. And uh, it's, I just encourage you to, to grab it and, and apply it to your life. Um, as some of you know, I uh, own a uh, small uh, business here in Lafayette and have for about 13 years now. And uh, like uh, a lot of other businesses, because of the economy and the situation, it's been a struggle. And um, this, uh, this year in particular has been, been tough. Um, it started off very tough. Uh, March was an okay month, uh, but we had three months over the summer that uh, Amy and I were talking. And had we had another month or two after that, we had actually talked about, you know, maybe closing the business down and... I've put everything into my business. I love it. Uh, I haven't heard from God yet to sell the business or to get rid of the business or find something else to do, but I will tell you that I was calling Purdue and checking the websites and calling, or calling around just to see what else was out there because I just, you know, we have four kids like John was saying, and it's crazy and uh, it's, ex it's expensive. So, three girls. Three girls, yeah, two teenagers <laughs> who like the buckle and, you know. So, um, this summer, uh, I picked up a book. Now, 
I have read maybe one or two books. I'm 42 years old, and I can I can remember maybe two books that I've read. I'm just John has shared at times. Yeah, he starts a book, and then you know about halfway through it goes on the library to look real good, like you've you've read it and. Look at all these books I've uh, read. But uh, I started reading this summer uh, a book on faith, and um, it was um, Kenneth Hagin's book on faith. Uh, Prior to anything that I'm about to tell you, um, Amy and I uh, made the commitment to start helping out at the youth on Wednesdays with Pastor Dan and Pastor Kelly. Now... That's a commitment because I sat there and thought, you know, I don't have got this, I've got that, I don't want to do that, but uh, I'm going to take away from my family. But it's actually turned out to where that time over there is the best time. We have actually great family time over there, okay? But that was a commitment I had to make and didn't think anything of it as far as a reward. Well, about a month into that, Pastor Dan said, hey, well, you want to start cooking for the youth on uh, every other Wednesday night? Now, I love to cook, and I've always wanted to have a restaurant, but I think for now this is as close as I'm going to get to that. (laughs) Uh, But but it's awesome. But again, it was another commitment, another another commitment of time. Uh, Not financial, but time. And I, I love it. It's it's awesome. Uh, we have we have fun over there, and the kids love it, and um, we we have a good time. Um, and then about a month after that, Pastor Bill approached me and Dan and Pete about doing the putt putt thing, and I said yes, absolutely. I want to do this. Amy and I are passionate about the kids over there, and I uh, didn't think anything about the reward. I just said I'm on board. Count me in. Now, he did say, you guys each have to raise $18,000. And, and, and honestly, I thought, well, I, I, I do work for all these businesses around town. It's going to be easy. And I'm just going to share this real quick because it's kind of funny. But uh, I, I immediately thought, okay, I'm going to call this client who I've been doing work for. They, they're, the owner is extremely wealthy. Uh, he'll do one hole, maybe three, four, five holes. So I call him and I said, hey, we're doing this thing. How about a sponsorship? He said, yeah, Tom. He said, I'll give you $100. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is going to be harder than I thought. $100 from these guys. But anyways. Hopefully no 18,000 friends. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's an excellent looking microphone, by the way. Uh but you know what? I had to come out of my comfort zone. I had to make phone calls. I've never been involved with anything like this before. Uh, I had to make phone calls, uh, do things during uh, when I was at work while still focusing on the business that was struggling. Um, but we met our goal. Didn't think anything of the rewards, the outcome. I wasn't looking for any of that. Um, and then September came around. As far as sales go, September was pretty good. Uh, compared to the three months we just had, September was, was good. Um, before I get to October, I want to just talk to you guys real quickly about uh, what John asked me to come up here. This isn't a coincidence, okay? Uh, he had – I wrote down Proverbs 3, 5 that's on his uh, outline today, and it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not onto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. You know, it was, it was my understanding to just go to work each day and, and, and do what I need, needed to do. And uh, I really wasn't leaning on to God's, leaning towards God's understanding. Um, and then I wrote this down also. Uh, this, just, this just came to me, but it said, uh, 
you will see as you commit your ways to more towards God, he will watch over you and over all things that you hold dear. Now, to what I hold dear is my family and my business. Well, in doing all these things, October, we still have a week left. And I've been in business for 13 years. And with still a week to go, we are, at the as far as sales go, the best month I've had in, in 13 years. So um, I just want to encourage you because I've, I was a, I was, I've been involved. I've been going here for 15 years. Amy and I have been together for 15 years, and I've been attending Victory for 15 years. But I sat in a chair, and I was involved, but I was never committed. Okay, and I would encourage you, uh, as God tells you and directs you, uh, to become committed. Okay, amen. Thank you, John. Amen. Thanks, Tom. God is good. See, he knows, he knows who you are. He knows what you are. As he began to share about his month, you know, and, and how he was, he started talking about commitment and how he committed and how he did these things. And I said, Tom, I really, I feel like, you know, on Sunday I'm going to share a little bit on commitment. And then, like, his eyes got real big. And he ran out of the house. And he went and he got his journal. See, God knows who you are. He, know, he knows what's going on. And he came back in. And he sat down at the table and he said, said look, 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 what, look what God, I feel like God told me this. If I'll commit my ways more to him, he'll take care of the things that I hold dear. See, God knows. He knows where you are. And he said, you know, I am so excited about what what God has done and how he's, he's allowed me to be a part of it. He said, I can't wait what, to find out what the next thing is. And I was like, oh, hey, let me talk to you a little bit here. I got a whole list of things. <laughs> Let's stand up together today. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.